Amen. All right. If you'll hurry, I will too. The book of John, chapter number 18. If you will turn there speedily. Now, if you don't get out in time, it's because you took too long to get there. John, chapter number 18. Our theme and our series is entitled, Why Christianity is Special. I don't know why I entitled that. It just, that was the first thing that came to my mind almost a year and a half ago when I started the book of John. So I want to read for you just one verse, explain a little background of what's going on, and I want you to take your Bible and follow along today. You're going to turn a lot in your Bible, because I was watching a ball game and didn't study. I bet you didn't study much while you was watching it either. Isn't it amazing? You judge me because I didn't study while I was watching it, but everybody here was watching it. None of you had a Bible in your hand when you was watching it. At least I had a Bible in my hand when I was watching it. John 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words... He went forth with the disciples over the book Kidron, who was a garden into which he entered, and his disciples. I'd like to entitle the message, God in the Garden Again. Man got in a mess in a garden And Jesus is going to clean up the mess in another garden. Man got into trouble in the garden because of sin. And Jesus got us out of trouble in another garden because of salvation. God in a garden again. Our Father today, we sure need your help because, Lord, if the outcome is dependent upon the frailty of this, thy servant, we're in much trouble today. But, Lord, if the outcome of this service is dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God and a sovereign God, a sufficient God, then Lord, I believe we can leave this place saying it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. We thank you and praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Lord with his disciples is on their way from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. Along the way, our Lord just hesitates and stops and begins to pray the Lord's Prayer, John 17. When that prayer is finished, they continue their journey across the brook Kidron and enters into the Garden of Gethsemane. 
we continue our reading in verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. If you do a little research, there could have been as many as 200 to 600 men, a band of men, a legion, if you please, from the Roman army and from the police of the, of the Sanhedrin. Can you imagine when Jesus just spoke, two to six hundred men just backed and fell flat on their back? I know you know that. I just thought I'd pitch it in just for the fun of it. See, when Jesus speaks, things happen. The problem is we're too busy to listen anymore. But he just spoke and said, I'm he. And they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, whom seek ye? You know, you'd think if there's that many soldiers, Judas and all the high priests and all the Pharisees and the ones that's so sad you see. You'd think they would be in control of the conversation. But now I want you to notice who's in control of the conversation. Then asked he them again, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered and said, I told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Speaking of the eleven disciples that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Well, here God is in the garden again. Because you know about the other garden. If you do not know about the other garden, it's so important that you know about what happened when God was in the other garden. If you have your Bible, you'll turn to Genesis chapter number two, if you would please. And we see God, this is not the first time God ever made a visit to a garden. In your Bible, in the book of 
Genesis chapter number 3. And I just want to read one verse for just a minute or if you'd be all right. In verse 8 of your Bible, Genesis chapter 3. You got that? And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the what? Well. John 18 is not the first time God ever made a visit to a garden. And he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now please be patient with me, would you please? Did not the Bible say that God is spirit? They that worship him must worship him in truth and spirit. How's the spirit walk? Who is this God that is walking? A spirit don't have legs. Who is this God in the garden? Who is this God that made the first visit to the garden? And the Bible says, and they saw And God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. I wonder what transpired in that garden. Genesis chapter 2, if you would please. And Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 8. And the Bible says... And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made he the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. Now look up here. Do you need to be a rocket scientist to understand that? Do you need to know Hebrew, Greek, and uh, Aramaic to understand that? God says, There's one tree I do not want you to eat. And when you eat that tree, the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. You know, I believe I could have understood that when I was eight years old. And the Bible says, and the Lord God said, commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, Thou shalt surely die. How many of you folks understand thou shalt surely die? Amen. Well, how many of you know the definition of die? Amen. It's amazing how many words and how few words, a little three-letter word, but do we really understand what the word die means. Now, I'm not going to pick on one of these little kids over here because it's a long time to lay die, but me and Miss Jennings, we're getting awful close to die. You know that, Miss Jennings. Now, when me and Miss Jennings die, does that mean we just cease to exist anymore? 
God told Adam and Eve, you eat off that tree. And the day you eat off that tree, not in 10 years, not 20 years, not in 3,000 years, the day you eat, you're going to die. I think I understand that. Well, look at chapter 3 and verse 6. Did you ever tell your wife, don't you ever charge anything else? <coughs> Thank you, Billy. God bless you. Uh, you don't mean you to go to uh, McDonald's Day because you're not getting anything to eat. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Now, all is transpiring in the garden. Now, in verse number 6 of chapter 3. It says, and when the woman, somebody asked me one day, sarcastically, where would you men be if it were not for we women? I said, in the garden. (laughs) That ain't too hard to understand. Verse 6. Now we're in the other garden. The first garden God was in. The first one that Jesus walked in the cool of the day. A pre-incarnation of God himself, Jesus Christ. Melchizedek in in the garden. And the Bible says, And when the woman saw the blue light special, And when the woman saw that the, fruit, that, the, that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat. Is that what your Bible says? And gave unto her henpecked husband. <laughs> you know, women calling the shots ain't nothing new. Okay? And he did eat. That sorry sucker. Hmm? Hey guys, have you ever done anything you didn't want to do, but you did it just because you thought it'd be safer? <laughs> and more advantageous? Come on now. Hey, this ain't the first time God's ever been to the garden. Uh, this, this is not the first time God ever made a trip. To the garden. And the last time, the first time he come to fix a mess that man made. And he did eat. God said, in the day you eat, you shall surely die. They ate. But you and I know they went on to have kids. They did not, in our definition of the word, die that day. 
But maybe we need to look at God's definition of die and not our definition of die. Because we think when we die, we just cease to enjoy the cowboys and the rangers. But in essence, in true definition, when we die, me and Mrs. Jennings, when we die, we do not cease to exist. We just begin to exist in another dominion, in another place. But when we die... Our soul and our spirit are separated from our body. Die means separation. God said today you eat off that tree, you will surely die. Read on a little farther. And that very same day God expelled Adam and Eve out of the garden, put up a guard by which they could not come back. And since that very day, man has been separated spiritually from a holy God. Separated by sin. Separated because of rebellion. Separated because of the representative of the human race. Adam disobeyed God. Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as one man, sin entered into the world, not Eve. Eve was not the representative of the human race. Eve was created to be an helpmeet for Adam. She was not created to give orders. She was not created to do any other thing except help Adam be what God wanted Adam to be on this earth. A helpmeet. But when Adam took, as the representative of the human race, wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin, entered into the world. Romans 5 and 12. Sin entered the world. So, death by sin. The doctor may say, you had a cardiac arrest. The doctor may diagnose us as cancer or some other malady that we have titled. But let me tell you what God says you die from. Sin. Because of Adam's disobedience to God, sin has entered into the world. And because sin has entered the world, death has entered upon every man. Now, if you're not going to die, you don't need to be saved. If you are not gathering wrinkles where there didn't used to be wrinkles. If your brain is not stretching and your forehead is getting larger. And if now you're enjoying gumming your food instead of chewing your food. The problem is evident. You are dying. Because of what transpired in the first garden. Wherefore sin entered into the world. So death by sin. For that all have sinned. Paul said the wages of sin is death. Are you glad God went to another garden?
That's enough of that garden. Look in your Bible, if you would please, to our text, John 18. I'd like to help you, if you would please. Now, this garden also had another visitor. I'll help you just a little bit. And the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, God wasn't the only one who made a visit to the Garden of Eden. Satan was there too. The arch enemy of your soul. The arch enemy of your home and your children. The one that paints the fancy lights of Las Vegas and the casinos and Hollywood and everything. Oh, he knows how to paint it. The Bible declares him as the God of this world. And no sooner did God create Adam and Eve and put them in an absolute perfect environment did old slimy slew-foot Satan himself sliver in the garden and begin to say the very same thing he's saying to you today. Yea, hath God said. Just pitching a little doubt into your garden. Yea, hath God said. Ah, could this thing be real? A God somewhere spoke and everything came into existence. Yea. God don't say that in the educational laboratories of the institutions of higher learning. Yea, hath God said. Our text, if you would please, verse 2, John 18. God wasn't the only one in the garden of Gethsemane. And Judas also was there. Mm. Who is this guy called Judas? I have about 10 coonhounds. I've never named one Judas. I've got some. I should have nicknamed that. I know no man who calls his wife Judas. Who is this guy, Judas? I think John 17 might give us some idea. If you've got just a minute, turn there. You say, preacher, are you going to preach very long? No, I'm going to get done. And if I'm not done, we'll just take up just like eating bologna someplace else. We'll do that. All right. John 17, verse 12. See, Jesus wasn't in a garden by himself. 
And while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them are lost. But the son of who? Oh, really? You know what Jesus called Judas? The son of the devil. Uh, I know you have time. Uh, maybe Second Thessalonians chapter 2. See, God wasn't in the garden by himself the first time. So I don't think maybe God was in the garden the last time by himself. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'll just give this to you. Could I please read for you verse 3, if that would be all right. And verse 4. Let no man deceive you by any means. That the day shall not come except there come a fallen away first. And the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Who, exalt, who oppose and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Who did Jesus call Judas? Son of perdition. In another place, the Bible said that Judas died and went to his place. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in reference to the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, Paul said that day shall not come and will not come. Don't let anybody deceive you that this is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to just turn your televisions off, folk. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not coming until the Holy Spirit of God is taken out of the way and the Antichrist is revealed. Seven years of tribulation period. And then he will come. Regardless if his name is Dr. Camp or Dr. Kent, it ain't going to work. And who did Jesus call the Antichrist? Son of perdition. I know you thought it was the Pope. Or maybe Obama. That guy can't even spell Oprah. I don't know why he mentioned her name. So, in the first garden, Satan was there. And in the second garden, he just sent his son as hell's representative. Now, if you would please, God is in the garden again. Number one, three things I'd like to show you about the garden in three minutes. Number one, the denial. In verse number, verse number two and three, 
in the book of John, chapter number 18. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted hither with the disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, cometh hither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Could I look at a phrase down there in verse 2? Judas knew. Look at that. Judas also, which betrayed him, knew. He knew the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew says that Jesus called Judas friend. Have you ever had a friend lie about you? Have you ever had a friend that turned on you? Have you ever had a close, close friend that has, that has given you up, that has uh, rejected you, that has denied you, that has lied to you? Nothing hurts like being hurt by a friend. If you're not a friend, you may anger me. If you are not a friend, you may push me to do something, but you have to be a friend to hurt me. And the Bible says that Judas, a friend, denied him. Matthew 26, I don't have time. You can look there. And Judas, and Jesus called him a friend. He knew the person, bless your heart. He had walked with him for about three years. He had seen the witness and miracles that he had done. He was very intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew him personally. He had witnessed the compassion that he had on the sheep without a shepherd. He had witnessed the healings. He had witnessed the miracles. He had witnessed the walking on the water. He had witnessed feeding the 5,000. Judas knew the Lord Jesus in an intimate, personal way so that even Jesus looked at him in Matthew 26 and said, are you going to deny me with a kiss? Friend, 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 you're going to deny me, friend. He not only knew the person, he knew the place. That's where Jesus often went to pray. That's where Jesus taught the disciples. That's where Jesus discipled the the fishermen. That's where Jesus turned doctors into soul winners. That's where Jesus turned uh, philosophers and, and preachers out of fishermen. A place, a precious place. But Judas knew the place, the denial. Oh, don't you know it must have broke our Lord's heart. Now, what was Judas's problem? What would make a friend deny another friend for 30 pieces of silver? How much did it take you to deny him? 50 cent raise on a job someplace that pulled you out of church and out of the Lord's work? A little prestige at the job or something pulled you out of your church? 
Not knowing if there's a church there or not. I mean, just, hey, I only took Judas 30 pieces of silver. Oh, it might, oh, what's it going to cost? What, what's it going to, what you willing to bow down for? See, three things, three things that motivated Judas. Now, let me help you. Number one, acceptance. Judas wanted to be accepted by the religious crowd of his day. Jesus wanted to straddle, I mean, Judas wanted to straddle a fence. Judas wanted to act like he loved Jesus and loved the world. Uh, Judas can handle anything except money. Why is it getting so quiet? This is not a stewardship meeting. Where's my amens? Judas wanted to be accepted by the religious crowd, by, by the Jews, by the, by the, the Sanhedrin, by the, by the, by the high priest. Uh, he wanted to be accepted, uh, and so he was willing to sell out his friend. Sell him out. Now, I know, I know that nobody in our church would go to the extremes to the extremes of acceptance to where they would drop their standards and convictions about the Word of God. Judas was willing to drop his convictions, his standards. He was willing, not only that, Judas for 30 pieces of silver, he would have changed his dress and acted like the world and emphasized the social over the spiritual. You know anybody doing that? No one considers the cost of dropping Baptist off their sign. Baptist stands for something. Baptist holds a cardinal set of doctrines that is unshakable. And to hide from what the Baptists have stood for over the years is cowardness and compromise. That's God I'm thinking about putting big B. Capitalize all the words Baptist. You said you lose folk. That won't what make me lose them. What make me lose them? They don't know that book. And they don't know the God of the book. Come on now, say amen. And old Judas went from being a Baptist to a Jew. For what? 30 pieces of silver. 30 stinking pieces of silver and he sold out the king of kings. All because he wanted to be accepted. Secondly, I think he had a problem with accolades. His name means he is to be praised. Do you know anybody that likes the praise of men? Do you know anybody that will sing here but won't sing in there? Amen. Amen. Amen, preacher! Do you know anybody that won't teach adult class and won't teach toddlers? Judas wanted to be recognized. Beyond anything else, Judas wanted the accolades. His third problem was abundance. 
He wanted more than God had given him. He wasn't satisfied with he who could provide all of his need according to his riches and glory. <laughs> Judas was not living by faith. He was living by sight. Just give me the bread. Just let on me 15 cents an hour and I will move to Timbuktu. I don't care if I got a church or not. I can read my Bible and be spiritual. You could, but more likely, if you ain't reading it now, you won't read it when you get to Timbuktu. And the only hope of your spirituality is this church. And for 30 pieces of silver, the denial, I've got to be quiet, and the deity. There was deity in the garden. I've been preaching 46 years. I just saw this this week. You say, why? Because I looked. <laughs> Verse 6. I, I, yeah, I, I'm slow, honest. I am really slow. There was denial in the garden. There was deity in the garden. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he. They went backward and fell to the ground. Now be careful. Look at verse 7. Then ask he. Now look at that he. And the he just above it. And notice that the type is different. It only be in one word and a little word. It's difficult to pick up on it. But the first he where he says I am he, that he is italicized. And in your King James Bible, that italicized word was not in the Textus Receptus. And it was placed there by the translators to help us understand it better. So when Jesus responded to the crowd, he said, I am. Period. And in Exodus chapter number 3, when Moses was talking to God, and he said, Lord, when I go to the children of Israel, and I tell them that I've been with you and who you are, who shall I say sent me? And God told Moses, You tell them, I am that I am. Tell them, I am sent you. The God that was in the burning bush in Moses' day, who said, I am, is the same God in the garden with Jesus Christ when he said, I am, and they all fell flat on the back. Deity. In the face of denial. I am. The Pharisees came to Jesus in John 8 and started ridiculing. And Jesus said, I remember your father Abraham. Are you older than Abraham, they said. Jesus said, before Abraham, I am. 
<laughs> In Moses' day, he did not say, I am, I will be, or I was. He said, I am. To the Pharisees, thousands of years later, the same God said, I am. And in the garden, just before he went to Calvary's tree, there to become sin for us. He said, I am. To God. There is no future. There is no past with God. It's all present. I am. And I don't know if you like that or not. But I like that. Deity. Notice if you would please. It says. And I like this. Verse 4. Jesus therefore. Knowing. Underline the word knowing. Knowing. All. Things. That should. Come upon him. Underline these next two words. Went forth. I close that in this last garden there was denial there was deity and then there was destiny knowing that all things that should come upon him knowing and already feeling the pain of Pilate's hall and the beatings the crown of thorns the mockings, the ridicule, the eternal embarrassment of God of all righteousness being stripped buck naked there and drawn and paraded out in front of gaping men as they said, behold, the man. He knew and knowing all things, he went forth. Destiny. For this cause, he came into the world. Destiny. In the last verse 11, I close. And Jesus replied to that bunch. And he said, the last part of the verse, the cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? It wasn't but just a few short minutes later, he kneeled in Matthew 26, Luke 22. There he knelt in the garden. And the Bible said he knelt and And he sweat as if it were great drops of blood coming from the pores of his skin that looked like his very blood. As God began to stack all of our ugly, dirty sins on the sinless Son of God. And sin's weight began to bear heavy on him. He knelt in the garden. said, Oh, Father... If there's any other way we can redeem 
lost humanity. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But if not, remember what he said? Thy will be done. Cup. Cup. Father gave him. Drink it, Jesus. Drink the cup. The Father has given you this cup. Jesus said, I must drink the cup. To you and I, what's in the cup for Jesus? How about a little suffering? Knowing about the cruelty of Calvary. Knowing six long hours in the sun. Knowing cat of nine tails across his back, lacerating his back. Knowing the book of Psalms says he's disfigured more than any human being. Knowing Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we're healed. The cup of suffering. And you're too busy to come church tonight at 6.30? Tell me about your religion. Jump on that Christianity at the judgment seat of Christ. When you just start looking the cup that our Lord drank for you. And for me. 10% is too much for me to give. <laughs> Boy that's going to stack up real heavy. When we get the judgment seat of Christ and we see the cup that our Lord drank. A cup of suffering. A cup of substitution. And God has laid upon him. And God hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I've got to drink the cup, he told his disciples. Cup of suffering. Cup of substitution. Cup of salvation. On the cross, he could have said, the cup is empty. I've drank it. Remember what he said on the cross? It is what? The lamb that was slain in Revelation 13 before the foundation of the world in God's eyes now has been slain on Calvary in our eyes. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. One message in the Garden of Gethsemane. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. In the face of denial, he said, nothing is going to deter me from that cup. In the face of suffering, 
Nothing. Thank God. Everything that needs to be done to get you to heaven, it's finished. He has drank the cup for you. And whosoever will may come.